0: Well, we are in our, our series, our Chosen series, and uh, if you're not familiar with The Chosen, The Chosen is a television series that was um, established through a crowdfunding campaign. And it's the highest crowdfunding campaign of all time. So far, they've made two seasons. They're available now to view for free. You can grab a study guide out in the commons or you can get that uh, digitally on, on our website and find out how it is that you can view that. It's really simple. You can download an app and have access just like that. But these two seasons are available. They're raising funds for a third season right now. And it's just, it's well made. It's such a great way of connecting not only with the content of the gospels but then kind of reading between the lines because jesus i mean he was a real dude he was actually lived here on the earth and experienced so, so much of what we experience just in our lives and then these men and women that we read about in the gospels matthew mark luke and john i mean they had lives too and so what this does is kind of takes not only biblical content, but then also kind of says, well, what happened between the lines? And that's such a great springboard, I think, for some fantastic dis- discussion. And That's what we've been doing over these last five weeks. And so today, we're going to talk about the sixth episode. Now, When I say that we're talking about the sixth episode, I've mentioned this before, and I'll say it uh, until we're done with the series, we're not preaching the the TV show, all right? We are instead using elements of each episode to spring us into what the Word says. So we're going to do that here again today. As a matter of fact, The Chosen itself, this television series, they put forth this disclaimer, and each week we've looked at it because I think it's important to do so. The Chosen is based on the true stories of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Some locations and timelines have been combined or condensed. Backstories and some characters or dialogue have been added. However, all biblical and historical context and any artistic imagination are designed to support the truth and intention of the Scriptures. Viewers are encouraged to read the Gospels. So that's what we do. Every week that we've been doing this series, we've certainly been looking at some elements of the show, but mainly we are taking it as a springboard to then what God tells us and teaches us through His Word. We're going to do that again here today. And specifically, we're going to look at Mark chapter 2. So Mark in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can go ahead and turn to that if you have your Bibles. If not, there are some in front of you. It will be on the screen here in just a moment, or you can certainly open up your Bible app on your phone. But Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be here. And and we're going to first watch a clip from this episode, episode 6, And then, like I said, we're going to use that to spring us into God's truth. But let me set the stage. So in this particular episode and scene that we're going to watch, Jesus has started teaching in the home of uh, some individuals, and there's a small group of people that are there as he begins to teach. But as we actually see in Scripture on numerous occasions, I mean, Jesus was, was a cool guy. People wanted to be around him. And so, as he was teaching, and he was he was teaching profound words, people started gathering. More and more people were coming, uh, either into the house or surrounding outside of the house, trying to hear what Jesus was teaching. We actually see this in the scripture as well. We're going to look at that in a second. And then as he's teaching, there's a smaller group of people that show up carrying a friend of theirs who is paralyzed. Now, some of this uh, might sound very familiar to some of you. You might know this story. Others of you may not be familiar with it. But some people were carrying a, a, a friend who was paralyzed And they were trying to get their friend to Jesus because they believed Jesus could heal their friend. But because the crowd was so vast, they couldn't get to Jesus. And so what did they do? Well, they went to the roof. And they went to the roof, and they began uh, digging through the roof. And then they lowered their friend down to Jesus to hopefully be healed. All right. Stage. Now we come across this scene that we see in Episode 6 of The Chosen. Check it out. You, by whose authority do you teach? You are willing, rabbi. You know you can Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. it does it So every week as we've been looking at this series and then engaging with Scripture, one of the things that I've been intentionally trying to do is, not trying, but actually doing, is Taking moments in the show that actually come from scripture itself. And, and so we're going to do that here again today. This story, it's interesting. I, some of you know this story really well. Uh, some of you have had this story told to you when you were little, little kids through flannel graph. Maybe flannel graph is something you've never heard of before. I think it's still around. We have one. Maybe I'll bring it out someday. But nonetheless, Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. We're going to read this together. We're going to see how closely this parallels with what we actually just saw on the screen. So if you would, you can either turn to Mark 2 and join with me in Scripture, or you can just look at it on the screen. But starting with verse 1, this is what it says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Now some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So he got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like that. I think it would have been also amazing, too, if Jesus, after he had healed the man, actually fixed the roof, too. That would have been pretty cool. (laughs) But this is an important and striking passage. We're going to lean into this, because it says some things that we cannot Ignore because it is here in this in this story, in this moment. This is early on in Jesus' ministry. And it's here that he is claiming God's authority. He is claiming God's authority as his own. Now that's a big deal because imagine if you did that. You'd raise some eyebrows, would you not? In and, and Mark 2 verse 10, we just read it, Jesus says this, he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus here, he's claiming God's authority as his own, which allows him to do two things in this situation, allows him to heal and to forgive sins. Now, there are a lot of miracles that take place in the Bible, over 150 of them, depending on how it is that you define miracles. Uh, But within that miracle kind of landscape, there's a number of healings that take place. And we read about a lot of those healings that Jesus did himself in the Gospels. But there are also healings that happen in the Old Testament and later in the New Testament, after Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the dead, and ascends into, into heaven. There are healings that take place that don't involve Jesus at all. Uh, For instance, uh, there's uh, several instances that we see in the Old Testament, like, for instance, in the book of Numbers, many Israelites are poisoned by snakes, and then they're healed by looking at a bronze statue of a snake. Uh, Jeroboam, he has a shriveled hand. It's healed in 1 Kings. Also in 1 Kings, the widow's son is raised from the dead by Elijah. And then in 2 Kings, we see several healings. One is the the Sinemite's son is raised from the dead by Elisha. Uh, Naaman is also healed by Elisha. And then the Syrian army is healed from blindness. And then later in the New Testament, in Acts, namely chapter 9, we see Peter doing two acts of healing. One, he heals a paralytic. And then two, he raises Tabitha from the dead. So when Jesus comes into the picture, his healings and miracles, that's a big deal. <laughs> we're not going to erase the fact that that's significant. But it's also important to note that there, there were other healings that had happened by other people uh, before Jesus and then after him. That's why Jesus says to the teachers of the law, and when I say teachers of the law, let's just make sure, and I've said this before, it's kind of like my little joke, whatever, I say this all the time, Uh, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they were like the Darth Vaders, right, of the the, uh, New Testament. Uh, They were the bad guys, okay? So the teachers of the law, they're seeing this, they're seeing this happen with Jesus, and that's why Jesus says to them here, he says which is easier to say to this paralyzed man your sins are forgiven or to say get up take your uh, take your mat and walk so you know what Jesus is literally saying is that it's easier to heal than to forgive sins It's easier to heal than to forgive sins. Why is that significant? Because it is obviously a big deal to heal somebody. It's obviously a big deal to perform a miracle of any kind. But healing someone, Jesus is saying, is not, not proof of my authority. That is not proof of my authority. So, if healing somebody is not proof that Jesus is God, then what is the proof? What is Jesus saying? Well, we see it again in verse 10 of Mark 2. Jesus says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority, we talked about that, on earth to forgive sins. See, the proof of Jesus' authority, the proof of his divinity, and we have to come to grips with this. This is an important conversation because without Jesus' authority, without his divinity, without him being God, then salvation is impossible. It is only through his authority, it is only through him being God in the flesh that he can truly take on the sins of the world. That he can die on the cross for your sins and for mine and rise from the dead, having defeated death and then providing a way for life everlasting. But the healing isn't proof of his authority. It, It isn't proof of his divinity. It is rather the forgiveness of sins. Notice what Jesus addresses first in this interaction with the paralyzed man. If we look again at verses 4 and 5, in verse 5 we see that when Jesus saw their faith, that is the faith of the paralyzed man's friends, he says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. The teachers of the law certainly would have taken notice, all right, with Jesus' performing miracles and healing people. I mean, I've mentioned that before. We can't, we can't just ignore that. And they certainly wouldn't have. They didn't. When Jesus healed somebody, when he performed a miracle of any kind, people noticed, and certainly the teachers of the law did. But have you ever asked this question? Why were they angry? What made them so upset? Was it because Jesus was performing miracles? Was it because Jesus was healing people? Did that make the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, angry? Yes or no? No. So what made them so angry? What is it that Jesus did or said that made them so angry? him saying that he could forgive sins. Why? Why is that such a big deal? Because the teachers of the law, certainly the teachers of the law, maybe not so much common folk at that time, but the teachers of the law certainly knew the Torah inside and out, backwards and forwards. The Torah being basically the law, the Old Testament that we have today. And they would know, because they knew that inside and out, they would know that there is only one who can forgive sins. There's only one person, one being that can forgive sins. And who is that? God. And so by Jesus saying that he could forgive sins, by Jesus even implying that he could forgive sins, he is literally saying that he is god and so you can imagine let me put yourself in their shoes put yourself in their shoes and all of a sudden you get a guy who's not only performing miracles and healing people but he's also saying that he can forgive sins thus he is saying that he is god himself that's why they were upset in mark chapter 10 jesus says something very peculiar it's the first time that Jesus says this, even though he, he calls himself this 78 times total in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In verse 10, again, there's so much in this verse, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, what does Jesus mean when he says the son of man? Why, why would he refer to himself that way? Well, again, the teachers of the law, they would know, right? They would know the Torah inside and out. They would certainly know who Daniel is, the prophet from the Old Testament. And they would certainly know this vision that Daniel has in Daniel chapter 7, where it says this in verse 13. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven, and he approached the Ancient of Days. Who is that? God. And was led into his presence. In verse 14, he, he, the Son of Man, was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus purposely took this title for himself, such as in Mark chapter 8. So later on in the book of Mark, in verse 31, when he's talking to his disciples, he then says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise Again. So when Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, with the passage from Daniel in context, in full view, he's essentially saying, if we could paraphrase verse 10 of of chapter 2 in Mark, Jesus is saying this I want you to know that I, in the flesh, have this power to forgive sins. That I. God, in the flesh, have this power. You know, as I was studying this, it was was interesting to me to note that the only people who were truly aware in this story, when Jesus heals the paralyzed man, the only people who were truly aware of the implications of what Jesus said and did were the teachers of the law, Because they were the ones, only ones who were upset about what Jesus said and what he said he could do. In that, all the other people, all the other people, they were amazed. They were praising God. Why were they amazed? Why were they praising God? Because Jesus, what? He healed this guy. If we look at at Mark 12, the healed, paralyzed man uh, got up and took his mat and walked out in full view. He was paralyzed one second, and then he's literally walking amongst them the next. But what went entirely unknown to the majority of the crowd, the whole crowd, except the teachers of the law that were ticked off about what Jesus said he could do? What went what, what, entirely unnoticed? This man's sins being forgiven. The teachers of the law were not concerned about someone going around healing people. That certainly would have caught their attention, but that wasn't why they were upset. It was Jesus' statement that he was the Son of Man. And in full view and context and understanding of what it says in Daniel chapter 7 that they would have certainly been aware of, in verse 14, Jesus was given authority. The Son of Man was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. You see, Jesus' purpose and his mission was not to go around healing people. It was not to go around performing miracles, Later on in chapter 2 of Mark, in verse 17, Jesus is having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. That's what it says. And Jesus, when he's again questioned by the teachers of the law, he responds this way. He says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So why is this important today? Because just like the people... In this story who were amazed and praised god for the healing that took place with this paralyzed man much like those people we also tend to focus only on that and not only do we focus on that in the past but then as we look at our own lives and we we pray for intervention or healing or some miracle of some kind We focus on that and we become oblivious to what actually is important. Just like that crowd was oblivious to what the true miracle was, they were praising God and amazed for something that was rather inconsequential, easy, as Jesus said, than what actually occurred. You know what's interesting is this paralyzed man he's not living today. He's not like some old you know New Testament vampire that's walking around. Why is that important? Because this man was healed, right? He was paralyzed one second and then healed the next. But 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, what happened to this man? He died. And so the real miracle that occurred wasn't the healing. The real miracle that occurred was because of this man's faith, because of the faith that this man placed in Jesus himself. Jesus looked at this man and said this, Son, your sins are forgiven your sins are forgiven. That was the miracle that made the teachers of the law so upset. That was the miracle that most, if not all the other people, were completely unaware of and ignored. And that is the miracle that is still prevalent and real today. Last service we had an individual who was sitting here in the service and uh, more so than maybe a lot of other people I know. He's been through it and it hasn't let up. His life is difficult in a way that many of you really couldn't understand. And as we're watching that video that we saw earlier, he's clapping and and praising God with excitement. And it wasn't because of the depiction of the healing that took place, but it's because that man recognizes that he's saved. That he's forgiven. He couldn't be more excited or thrilled about that. When do we lose that? When do we stop living like we're saved? We ask God or Jesus to do this and to do that, and then we forget, we miss the miracle. We miss what it is that we really should be praising God for. We miss what it is that we should be amazed by, and that is that you were once lost, and now you're found. And for those of you that haven't made a decision to, to find and to follow Jesus, to make him the leader of your life, if you have yet to, Decide that for yourselves. The Bible tells us that when we do that, when we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead and is living today, the Bible tells us that when we believe that we're saved and that in our faith and in that moment, Jesus looks at us and He says this, your sins are forgiven. Father God, may May that be our posture today in the days, weeks, months to come, Lord. May we, may we present our hearts and our life to you to lead us and guide us in the way everlasting, Lord. May we, rec- may we recognize, Lord, the purpose and mission of why you came to live our lives saved, saved, To have that be the mission and heart of our own existence. And then inspire others to find and follow you as well. We love you and we thank you for today. We pray this in your name and all that God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us for Truck or Treat, 4 p.m. It's going to be a great time. God bless.